wanted to let everybody know that we have all the snacks today. Okay. I'd like to propose a toast. Welcome to Wines and Dolls, a podcast where Chelsea and Emily wine and talk about musicals. Welcome. Wine is a double one time drop. Welcome, welcome. We have all the snacks today. <laughs> Chelsea watched me down a poke bowl. And you, I saw you go down on a poke bowl. Yes, I did. Um, you saw me, <laughs> you saw me cover. It's not what I said. <laughs> you saw me cover my, my black shirt in crumbs from my Takis and from the, um, what are those called? The pop, white, the pop chips? Pop the, chips, the white cheddar pop chips. Yeah. I think it's, so I don't think that's what they're called, but you know what they are. Well, it I is mean, funny. I, the flavor is white cheddar. You're white cheddar. I am. <laughs> I am. I'm aged to perfection, and I'm very white. With no additives. With lots of additives, actually, yeah. <laughs> You're a little salty. I'm a lot salty. Come on. I'm in my mid to late 30s. I'm a lot salty. <laughs> Welcome to Wines oh and Dolls, gosh. where we talk about musicals and we get drunk. Yes, usually. And, sometimes. And stuff. Most, sometimes, yeah, not all the time. Always musicals, sometimes drunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we definitely wine. There's a lot of wine involved. And today, oh, yeah, that. T- today, Emily is covering the full synopsis of... Company. Company. I still don't know the song. Company. I still don't know the words. I was just watching a video of Stephen Sondheim coaching children on how to sing Not Getting Married Today. Coaching children? Yeah, coaching like teenagers. Oh, okay. Guys, I I watched, it was seven minutes long. And this Mm -hmm. like boy, he goes like, the part where he starts singing about Amy and Stephen goes, stop, 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 stop. You're looking at the audience, but you need to sing to her. Direct it to her. She's who you're talking to. She's, and it was just funny. Um, and then I stopped watching it. I saved it, so I'll watch That's it later. That's cute. That's cute. It was cute. I was very. I was like, aww, because it's like from the eighties or something mm-hmm. like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was older. I kick. Um, I really do kick myself for not getting a picture with Stephen Sondheim when he was in town. I met him. He came to what was the name of the theater? Uh, SRO. He came to that that theater when they did Sondheim by Sondheim, and he saw it. He went to Obsidian. He went to Obsidian. Did he sanitize? Oh, it wasn't bad. I guess pre-Harvey it wasn't bad. I guess so. I didn't see Post-Harvey it. Post-Harvey it got bad. We couldn't I, go in the basement. It was like condemned in the basement. Wait, the whole, are we thinking of a different place? Because that place doesn't have a... Oh, there was Obsidian a basement. Obsidian had a basement. I never went down there because it was haunted and I never wanted to go down there. Well, and then it became molded. Gross. That's probably yeah, why it, they closed it down. Anyway. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it is also haunted. That door liked to open on its own, and it was always pitch black, and I never went close to it. I was like, absolutely not. It never opened when it went after Harvey. I think the ghosts got washed out. <laughs> the ghosts were like, nah, peace, yo. But yeah, I did get to meet Sondheim. He, I did not give him my name, but I stood next to him. <laughs> and I was like, I like your work. It's beautiful. He's like, thank you. And then it's kind of like away. me and um, it was yeah. like me and 
Ben Platt, only yeah. less embarrassing. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But anyway, I'm excited to hear the synopsis, synopsis. of Company today because I've I think I've seen it. I think I've seen it once. And I I love I love most of the music from it, but it's very Sondheim and Nini, and uh, it is. you know, not everything's tight harmonies. A, tight harmonies. Not everything's a bop, but there's some bops in this one. So that is, you know what, that is an accurate statement because like I like all the songs, but I could not remember any of the yeah. songs. Right, right, right. Um, That's why that. <laughs> what's the musical that was at Alley Theater? Uh, noir. noir. It was a yeah. great. I I liked it. I enjoyed it. The the plot needed a little help, I think, but none of the songs were boppy enough that I remember any of them. I remember something about. I remember apple. the images and kind of the song, of yeah. like the cadence of the song. Yeah, but I could not. It's not repetitive like it enough. It replays in my brain, but I wouldn't be able to repeat it. Right. It's not. It's, it's and Sondheim is like that a lot. It's not like necessarily repetitive enough to be a bop. Some songs, some Sondheim songs, except then, for his accompaniment. His accompaniment is very repetitive. Yes, the accompaniment is very repetitive. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you? I keep, you can hear me chew as I talk. What are you drinking? <laughs> I would talk, and as my molars came down on, like, certain words, you could hear the crunch of my rice cake. Ew. Gross. Don't love that. Um, Stop. The more you chew, the more I have to edit. Ew. I'm going to leave that to you. I'm just going to leave it to you. Well, okay. I just just need the times. Okay. Okay. So, I have a few things I'm drinking. I have... A soda left over. I have a Coke left over from lunch. I've got some water. And I went ahead and poured myself some wine in my Wines and Dolls cup. Oh, yeah. Yes. I poured myself some, um, oh, it's the cheap wine. It's it's actually, it's gas station wine. I'm not going to be um, picky when it comes to bubbly wine. I, I just bought the uh, the cheapest gas station wine I could find. Gas station wine sounds like gas station sushi. <laughs> No, because I don't know why. <laughs> gas station sushi, you're taking a risk with your health. Gas station wine, it's in a bottle and it'll do the job. You may have a big headache the next day, but that's okay. But I think it's like it's like a normal kind of wine. It's just like that cheap shit. I forget what it's called, but it's extra dried, just like I like it. It's not very good, but that's okay. I when you reminded me we were doing company today, I was like, oh, ladies who lunch. I have to have a glass of wine. I'll drink to that. Drink to that. Hey Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you drinking? I'm trying to keep my, like, my crunches away from the microphone as much as possible. You know we're still going to um, have to edit it out because it's recording on your garage band. I know, but I think it's not as loud. <laughs> oh, no, it's pretty loud. Never mind. Yeah, it's loud. Um, every time I just looked I at eat, the waves. <laughs> yeah, every time I eat while you're talking, I, I realize, like, oh, yeah, I can't mute garage band, can I, while it's recording. You could, but it would mess everything up. It would. Um, anyway, what are you drinking? I went to Starbucks, and I got a nitro cold brew. No ice. No ice. Yeah. No, it was funny, though, because I wasn't planning on doing it. But um, we have a new assistant manager at one of my stores that mm-hmm. I work at. And um, I mentioned, like, so I do a lot of sales, but when you are at the level that I am in the hierarchy, I don't see a bonus but everyone else gets a bonus. 
including the managers. And she didn't know that. And so I was like, they, we made a, we were talking about how we needed more like UTP units per transaction or UPT. Yeah. Right. Yes. And I kind of made the joke. I was like, I just want you to know that two women came in and they were coming in for one thing, but they left with five. I'm not really a salesperson, but I do like dressing people like they're Barbies. Uh And she gave me a $20 gift card to Starbucks. Well, she sent me a picture of her Starbucks like card. Yeah. And she's like, you can get a drink. So, I mean, I wasn't, I'm not going to use the full $20. I use $6 of it. Nice. (laughs) But I was like, that's really sweet of you. You didn't have to do that, Uh, but I'm going to do it anyways. So nice. I'm I'm very excited about it. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you whining about? I've got a sparkling wine today. Oh. So I got busy. I'm not going to say lazy because I'm going to be kind to myself. I got busy and completely forgot to buy tickets to go see 1776 for, for cheap. And then by the time the show came around, I was like, eh, it's okay. I'll just miss this one. It'll be fine. And then James got a text from his friend Danny, and Danny's parents have a season subscription to Tut's. They have really good seats in the orchestra, like center orchestra, row J. Oh, no, was it G? Anyway, it was really good seats. It was like 10 away in the right smack dab in the center um, for Friday's show, which is the only show I could have ever gone to because of all the dang um, gigs that I'm taking. Um, so we went and I wasn't super excited at first, but then after the first number, I was like, oh shit, this is so good. It was so, so good y'all. Like it, and this is, this is the one that I wanted to cover, but I hadn't seen, so I couldn't cover. And I was so disappointed because I had to end up covering the OG, like old man version. And it makes such a world of difference to see women in the shoes of people that were making decisions that we weren't included in those thoughts in, and they even sing about it in 1776. <laughs> like it's kind of like the Barbie movie, like the Barbie movie. And that's another <laughs> sparkling wine. I got to see Barbie movie too. Y'all I'm just like so pumped on like women energy and like feminine estrogen. energy and estrogen right now. I'm just like, so here for it. It was but 1776, I loved it. I know it's still problematic because it's like it's a, a musical that was written in the 60s, so there's some problematic things, but it was brilliantly redone. This this revival was brilliant. I really, really liked it. And like my favorite part, I think, was the very beginning when they were all wearing boots. They were just straight up wearing boots and black leggings and white tops. And I was like, okay, so I guess it's modernized. And there's these shoes, like 1700s-esque looking shoes at the front of the stage in pairs. And I'm like, what a cute little decoration for the set. Nope. Turns out it was an intentionally staged thing where the women all take off their boots, toss them to the ground, and then come up and literally step into the shoes of the men. So they're stepping into these roles, literally. And putting on these shoes. And I was like, oh, snaps. That was so good. I really enjoyed that. And then they took their leggings and they rolled them up and rolled them up. And they had white socks that they pulled up. And then they put on their coats. And I was like, oh, okay, here we are. That's so cute. It was 
it was brilliant. I had a great time. And the Hearly Therily song, you know, the the Virginia yes. guy, just as, song. just as funny, if if not funnier, because of this this actress. She was just so good. And Connor was amazing. Connor Lyons, yeah. she was amazing. Um, so she had this like. Her her song was chilling. And lastly, I will say, and then I'll ask you what you're what you're whining about. I don't want to take up <laughs> okay. too much time. I just want to let y'all know how good this is. My favorite favorite part of the whole show was the Courier song, the Mama song. Um, oh, I don't know if you remember me talking yeah. about this because it yes. was like it was sad. You know, in the male version, it was sad, and it was like, oh, he's really struggling. This girl, oh my God, this woman. Um, belted for the gods. She sang it beautifully and then belted for the gods. And they used her identity as a part of the show and started off the show with her. Um, Mm. She went on stage and said, we just want to, um, they did a land, uh, what was it? Land identification. uh, Oh gosh, what's the actual term, terminology? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you distribution? No, no, no. You, um, you. Oh, it's a land acknowledgement. You acknowledge acknowledgement. Yes, yes. It's where you acknowledge the land that you are currently in, and she listed off. They do this for the entire tour. Apparently, they list off the land acknowledgements for each space that they're in, and I thought that was so fucking cool. And she herself identifies as Indian American. Um, I don't remember the tribe that she was talking about, but. Uh, she had her her tribal accessories on as well, and used that throughout her time as the courier in the show. And so when she's singing about losing all her friends and what this has done to her and what this has done to everybody, and watching people die and wondering does anybody care, you know, because these like fuck twads are just twiddling their fingers in Congress. You know, it just was, it was so impactful, so much more impactful. And she belted for the goddamn gods, and it was so good. Everybody, like, gods. everybody broke out, and we're just, yeah. they're so excited. So, anyway, that's my wine. It was great. I loved it. Hey, Emily. Real quick. Yeah? <laughs> say hi in just a second. If you do go listen to 1776 Part 2, it's not, I don't think it's, it's not the touring company. It is the Broadway company, but I did post there, um, like in the intermission section, I did uh, include part of the song sung by the female company um, oh, that they yay. sing in in the park. And it's actually a video done by um, Shoshana, who it's brought, it's B-Way Show, S-H-O, who's uh, in our multi-hype group. So you can go and see that video on YouTube. Go nice. subscribe to her. She's cool. Um, okay, ask me again. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you whining about? I'm whining that I realized I could mute myself to chew. How do we do that? Graduate. You turn down your gain on your microphone, so you mute your microphone. <laughs> I can't hear you. Yeah. Yay, I can chew. Yay. <laughs> I was like, I turned it. That's why I kept looking at you like, nang, 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 nang. <laughs> I was very excited. I'm going to eat my uh, Takis. Yay. You eat your Takis. <laughs> and then you can turn it on. Uh, what am I whining about? I am, okay, it's not a positive wine. It's not a sparkling wine. I'm whining. Mm, it depends on how you look at it. I'm whining because <sighs> for our show, that uh, for Secret in the Wings, we closed on Saturday. Oh, yeah. It was such a good show. Mm-hmm. 
Right. But we had to close. We had to cancel an entire show. What? So we closed. We were supposed to have two shows on Saturday. It was Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. But we closed on this uh, the matinee Aww. because of low ticket sales. That sucks. Um, for the evening show. Well, it turns out a couple things have happened that contributed to this that we found out after the fact. Not necessarily, it was too late to add it, but we found them out, I think, like Saturday morning or Friday night, um, that there was an issue with the software that that the company, our company had no, or Sarah's company had no control over. That is such bullshit. And then, but it's not like, allegedly, there was an issue. Um, and then, so that was a problem, but then also people just, you know how Houston audiences just wait till last minute Uh to do anything. So come, come Saturday at matinee, I'm, I was off stage for one scene. Um, and I get texts being like, how do I get to your show? Or can I buy tickets at the, at the door for the evening show? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you can't because it's that's done. Su- that sucks. And um, and <sighs> they didn't want to take a chance that people would show up last minute. No, no. Um, because it was like the whole run had so few people any in it. Anyways, I mean, we were performing to like maybe I think the biggest house was fifty percent. Was that the one that I went to? That was a big house. Yes. Yes. I was like, wow, this um, is a good turnout. Maybe it was closer to like 60 or 70%, but yeah. it was still, it was never sold out. Um, I think Gideon was the same way, and audiences just don't respond very well to unknown works, but that yeah. show was so good. It was Thank so you. good. I think y'all should do it every Halloween, if I'm being honest. I think Sarah should do it, like a special edition, like four shows every Halloween. It was so good. You should tell her that because I bet she would. And I bet, mm-hmm. honestly, if there's availability, I bet um, Whitney would too. Because mm-hmm. Whitney was the one who was like the driving force of that fig. Whitney was a very much, she loves Mary Zimmerman. So mm-hmm. she was thrilled to be in that show. And I was thrilled to be in a show with Whitney, to be totally honest. Yeah, she's um, brilliant. So, anyway, so that's that was that kind of sucked and was the reality of, of Houston theater. And, um, so, and then we closed Paul Hope Cabarets, which had a very, it wasn't, a, I don't want to say it was the same thing, but we were having issues with people trying to buy at the door when we were um, sold out downstairs. Oh, but and a lot I'm of the people like, coming to those shows need to be downstairs because they, they have can't, to be downstairs because of accessibility. Yeah. And I don't Oof. know how many times I could have said, Hey, we're sold out downstairs to then be told that they need people need tickets downstairs. I'm like, I can't tell. But I ended up being able (laughs) to since I was there and and my my team is awesome, but I wish I had been there to kind of set the precedent from the beginning. Um, I moved around the chairs downstairs Mm -hmm. and was able to um, make it so kind of forced people to get closer to the stage, which was the problem. People were just kind of making a wall at the back of the theater so no one would... So there's all these open chairs, but no one could get to them. Yeah. Um, but the sparkling part of that is I was there and I spoke to the owner and kind of gave him a little bit of a pitch for maybe a live show or open mic night or something. Oh, God. Chelsea. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but I got a rate. So that's what I really wanted from him. So, okay. um, yeah, 
so we can we can discuss that more but i have some ideas okay. i've been thinking a lot which is chelsea's favorite thing is when i think when i, I have thoughts when, you think. <laughs> when i had too many thoughts okay but you know what let's put those thoughts aside because you know who also have thoughts um company bobby from company about marriage yeah bobby. that was more or less what i was going for bobby Bobby, Bobby, baby, Bobby, Baba, Bobby, Baba, Okay. Um, so <laughs> let's get into the show because I'm tired of listening to myself talk. Um, about- Me too. Me too. <laughs> so great. Let's go, let's go for it. Company. This is, as I said last week, I more or less am covering the 2011 uh New York City Philharmonic with Neil Patrick Harris. Um, But I did go back and watch some of the clips from the revival. So I'm going to try and piece together as much as I can from that as well. But I wanted to start, I said this last week, and I wanted to point out there was, um, when, when Sondheim, Sondheim blessed the change in the revival, making Bobby a, B-O-B-B-Y into B-O-B-B-I-E. He did bless that change um, with Marianne, Marianne Elliott, the director. And New York Times actually covered um, an interview with them both. And they pointed out to Sondheim, and I want to start this with this. Mm-hmm. You had turned down a proposal for an all-male company with a gay Bobby directed by John Tiffany. Huh. And this is what Sondheim had to say. Yes. There were certain scenes that worked really well and certain scenes that just seemed forced. Actually, the scenes that worked best were what we call the girlfriend scenes, but marriages, but the marriage scenes didn't really work well. So they asked, so why did you say yes to this one? And Sondheim says, I quote, my feeling about the theater is the thing that makes it different from movies and television is that you can do it in a different way from generation to generation, just as you can have many different actors play Hamlet. You can have many different ways of looking at a show without distorting it. And also shows change their shows change their life according to what is going on in the world around them assassins now has an entirely different ominous quality to it because of what's going on with guns guns and violence company has a different flavor than it had before uh feminism really got a foothold end quote Hmm. i thought that was really cool uh elliot went on to say the director i wish more people thought that way because theater is okay this is a word i can't say ephemeral ephemeral yeah Sure. I don't know. I don't know that word. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I wish more people thought that way because uh, theater is ephemeral. Uh, It is about, it's about the now. Even if you said it in another period, it should have something to say to the now. AKA 1776. Wee. Ephemeral. Ephemeral. Yeah, that's right. I don't know what that word means. It it says lasting for a very short time. Fashions are ephemeral. I do know that word. I was like, I've seen this word before. I just <laughs> think I've only ever read it. All right, anyways. Um, so moving forward into the actual show, um, I want to point out in the early 1990s, Firth and Sondheim revised the libretto, cutting and altering dialogue that had become dated and rewriting the end of, the, of Act One. So the synopsis I'm giving is the revised libretto per okay. the revivals. Okay, so... Um, with the Philharmonic 2011, 
the state, the orchestra is on stage and there's a whole bunch of couples rolling themselves on love seats. Uh, from what I could tell though, from the 2021, 2022, the newest arrival with mm-hmm. Bobby B O B B I E. Um, it looks like they are all inside one kind of lighted box. Like the whole show looks like it kind of happens in cubes that are framed with lights. Like in Noir, when we saw it, there was two rooms that were constantly kind of next to each other and then they would push and pull one way or the other. Right, right. Imagine that only a little bit smaller and and more of them. That's more and coming up from the stage rather than side to side. Okay. Um, that makes sense. It was nice. It was really cute. So act one, I named act one. My cat is really into Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Fig was so infatuated by Neil Patrick Harris. As we all I took a are. video. As he we was all sitting are. and just watching like <laughs> I don't know where he is now. I just know he was knocking shit over. Classic. Okay, so Robert, he is a, he's the one who, or she is the one the sh- whole story revolves around. It's their point of view. So Robert is a well-liked single man slash woman living in New York City whose friends are married or engaged. So the revival actually pointed at this time that she ha- she's working against her biological clock because it is, in fact, Bobby's 35th birthday. Wait the a couple's minute. at 35th? What? I thought it was 30. Yeah, it's, it's 35th. Huh. It's 35th. Oh my God. Ugh. I just turned 30. Ugh. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's 35th. And I double checked on with the revival too. 35, I think, is where people start to freak out because I think 35 is where you start to have geriatric births. Yes. I, yeah. If any doctor calls this, like if I ever get pregnant and doctor calls me geriatric anything they're getting kicked very swiftly in a not nice place i want to say that when i said to mm-hmm. our listeners and not our videoers i said geriatric with quotes around it yes <laughs> just to be clear <laughs> there I are other ways you... of saying it that's what that's what it is that's what they say that's the medical term they're updating that terminology actually yes they are they are. <laughs> more mature births, uh, well, pro- no, they, appropriate time births. They they call it now high risk instead of geriatric pregnancy. But even then, it doesn't seem like it's high risk. I'm like, I feel like the high risk starts when you're 45. I mean, it's but, like when you. I don't well, know. Everyone who I know who's different. 40, 41, who's had babies, are totally fine. Yeah. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Right. Anyways. Um, the couples that are around, we see Joanne and Larry, Peter and Susan, Harry and Sarah, David and Jenny, Paul and Amy, and then there's Robert. Or in the revival, Joanne and Larry, Jamie and Paul, Susan and Peter, Harry and Sarah, and then David and Jenny. Um, so really the only difference is Jamie and Paul instead of Amy because they're so clever like that. So, so it's Bobby's... <laughs> it's Bobby's 35th birthday and the couples are gathered to throw him a surprise or her a th- surprise party. I think from here on out, I might just say them. Yeah. Are we chill with that? Cool. Or just say Bobby. Um, or Bobby. I'll do my best. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I uh, quote, what kind of friends throw a surprise party for the 30, 35th birthday? But how many times do you turn 35 in the company? This was a direct quote from Bobby and 
in response to this, the company did a ha monotone laugh that was beautiful and everything I loved about it. It was, it was amazing. (laughs) Ha. The beginning of it. Yeah. They all kind of, they're all very much in sync, but they're very, um, they're like statues or robots. The show starts with Sarah and Harry uh, walking up to give Bobby their gift. And Sarah is like, take it back, my present. And then all the friends start to be like, take back my gift, too, for money. Get the money out of it. And Patty's character of of Joanne goes, it's not the gift. It's the cost that counts. (laughs) She would. Patty speaks words of wisdom. And um, so they're all celebrating Bobby's birthday. But when Bobby fails to blow out any of the candles on their birthday cake, the couple's promise that the birthday wish will still come true. Although Bobby wished for nothing and said that his friends are all he needs. And this is all done in the song Company. Hey Bobby, come on over for dinner. We'll be so glad to see you. Bobby, come on over for dinner. Just be the three of us, only the three of us. We It's funny. This song, um, it, it just it has the motif that's going to pop up throughout the entire show, starting with like the Bobby baby, Bobby darling, um, Bobby, why don't you come over to dinner? Uh huh. And it, only the three of us, only <laughs> just be the three of us. We love you. So it's all the couples trying to adopt this single friend of theirs. Aww. Additionally, Bobby's three play things play things show up. So I put tings in my notes. Sorry, play-tings. I was like, his, they're play things, not play things, but play things uh, show up and are very much lightly introduced during this song. But they, but the uh, couples don't actually acknowledge them nor see them. So. With that being said, what follows is a series of disconnected vignettes that are in no chronological order. So the scene that we're going to kind of see pop up over and over again throughout the show is the birthday party, the surprise birthday party. And then every other scene is disjointed and nonlinear. Let me know if I need to write down (laughs) notes for any of these, all right? Did you do the company note? Yes. Cool. So, <laughs> but the disjointed ones uh, just make it very clear to me because I'm gonna I don't know this musical well enough. Oh yeah, it's it's a hard one. So okay. um, so each of these vignettes is Bobby visiting one of the couples or alone on a date with a girlfriend slash boyfriend. So in the first vignette, we see Bobby visiting Sarah. So we said last week, Sarah is a foodie who is dieting. And then her husband is Harry, who's a recovering alcoholic, who was Stephen Colbert in the 2011 Philharmonic. Mm -hmm. Um, She actually, she makes coffee and Harry offers alcohol that he can't have for his coffee, which Bobby accepts. So as Harry pours, he just pours the alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they made a little bit out of it because he's just like pouring and pouring and pouring. He's like, I can't have this. 
Oh, I'm like, I understand, Harry. I understand. Um, and Sarah and Harry, their whole relationship is them like taunting each other about their vices, which um, it's funny because Harry's trying to tell a story and Sarah keeps correcting him. Um, but ultimately, these this taunting escalates uh, towards a karate like fight. And oh, not damn. just like like a pretend fight. Like, no, they're actually physically fighting. Um, and it's, it's unclear whether or not the, the thrashing is playful. Okie dokie. Also, <laughs> one of the quotes, I wrote some of, some of these quotes. So um, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Sarah. But Sarah goes, uh, or if it was Sarah, Sarah Lee's the most incredible woman since Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> it was definitely Sarah. It was a, it was a quote about dieting. And um, Harry the reason that Sarah's even doing karate is that women's magazines encourage women to learn karate. Um, and as Bobby's trying to like get them to stop fighting, he's like, do you want coffee? And they're like, no, I want karate. <laughs> oh boy. So the way that this is played across kind of the revival. So on for 2011, they were definitely fighting but in the 2006 revival uh this is the one with the instruments they were actually across the stage from each other like doing fights that way Mm -hmm. Uh, so they're reacting to fights from across the stage um but ultimately the final punch is interrupted by uh joanne slash patty lapone's the little things it's the little things you do together do together do together that make Perfect relationships, the hobbies you pursue together, savings you accrue together, looks you misconstrue together, that make marriage a joy. Mm-hmm. And the Little Things song begins, and, it are, and it's continually interrupted by the fight where Harry is about to get his balls smashed. <laughs> and as these interruptions happen, one of the interruptions is actually Bobby gets stuck in the middle of the fight, like they're, he's sandwiched between the couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but ultimately this little fight prompts the caustic Joanne, the oldest and most cynical and most often divorced of Bobby's friends to, to sarcastically comment to the audience that it is the little things that make a marriage work in the song, the little things you do together. It's not wedded bliss. And what happens in bed that allows you to get through the worst. It's I do and you don't and nobody said that And who brought the subject up first? It's the little things The little things The little ways you try together Cry together Lie together That make perfect relationships So this is Joanne making fun of Harry and Sarah and the marriage and just marriage in general to the audience. And the company ends up joining Joanne on stage in their couples, reciting, it's not so hard to be married. Okay. (laughs) You would know, right? (laughs) I would know. Sarah and Harry argue, but as Sarah leaves, she says that she loves him. And when asked by Bobby if he's ever sorry he got married, this being Harry, Harry explains that... um, you're both thankful and regretful about getting married. In the song, Sorry, Grateful. Everything's different. Nothing's changed. Only maybe slightly rearranged. You're sorry, grateful. 
grateful, regretful, happy. Why look for answers when none occur? Within this song, all the men from the other couples join Harry on stage singing the song. They say that marriage changes both everything and nothing about the way they live. That's really sad. That you, it's you're thankful and regretful. Yeah, and also that marriage just... <laughs> marriage changes everything and nothing about the way you live. So yep, what are they still they cheating? Said. Are they cheating on each other? No, it, but think of it. It's like they, it, everything. So Harry was an alcoholic before he married, or he was an alcoholic while he was marrying Sarah. So it changed the fact that he like drinks alcohol, but he still lives the same life, mm. but without alcohol. That's what I think is what's going on here. Is, is, or an example, a very surface level example. Interesting. So it changes everything and nothing. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Don't think too hard on it. You'll make yourself sad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll be there soon. <laughs> so the next vignette comes and Bobby is with Peter and Susan on their apartment terrace. Yes, they have a terrace in New York City. Uh, so Peter is an Ivy League graduate and Susan is a Southern Belle. And they have this ha- terrace that they can't agree on how they feel about the terrace, the couple. Um, they seemingly love each other, but this whole, like they literally are arguing about this terrace. Uh, Susan was telling a story about, uh, she ended up fainting when Peter is in a like precarious situation. And Bobby says, Peter must be lucky in that, that him and Susan are literally the perfect couple to which the couple responds that they are getting a divorce. Uh huh. And um, that's actually, it's funny how it was brought up. Like the, 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 the words, the script is really clever because Bobby goes, wow, if you leave her, I want to be the first to know. And they look at him or look at Bobby and they go, well, you're the first to know. Oh God. <laughs> and as that's, as that line is said, the, it was the cue to the Bobby baby, Bobby darling theme that, Uh, begins playing between all the lines as Bobby tries to comprehend what has happened as the scene changes. So this is kind of where I get a little, I don't want to say confused, but in the realm of the storyline, Bobby, B-I-E, I I don't know if she would have been referring to Harry, or not not here, Harry, Peter, saying like, uh, Susan, whenever you leave Peter, you let me know. Or Susan. Or if she was still talking about Susan. Yeah. Either way works. Um, I think so. The thing is, though, in as the story continues on, there's no evidence, and from what I understand, where Bobby could be considered attracted to women. In the new storyline? In the new storyline. Like, from what I can tell... There's no, like, if they kept the script more or less how it is, there's no, this would have been the only opportunity for it to seem like she was attracted to women, and I think it was ultimately directed to Peter. It's also a joke, like, in that moment. That's true. So Um, it wouldn't have made a difference either way. And I was talking to one of her friends who saw this in London, and she was saying, I was like, 
it, did it, did they change it? And she's like, no, I think they kept it exactly the same, the script the same. And I was like, that, that gives it the scene definitely a different weight, mm-hmm. um, which we'll, we'll uncover as we continue on. She goes, yeah, which makes, I guess, makes sense with the whole biological clock. It definitely, it changes it to, like they said, the now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the scene has changed. I'm changing my, my legs. <laughs> And um, Bobby is now at the home of the uptight Jenny and the very chic David. And Bobby has brought along some marijuana. Yay. <laughs> that the three of them are sharing. Um, that's marijuana for those of you who don't know what marijuana is. It's the reefer, y'all. It's the reefer. It's the, what else is it called? I feel like there's uh, other, like there's the weed, the dope. The, yeah, Dope. The dope. Marijuana names. I'll find it. Oh, God. Okay, let me know. Kush. (laughs) It's that kush. The kush. That's what it is. Cannabis. Uh, Bud, Jane, Ganga, Reefer, Chronic, Mary, and Herb. You're welcome. Ganga is the one I think is hilarious. Ganga and Mary. Um, So he brought along Mary. Uh Uh-huh. So Jenny says that she doesn't feel anything after two joints. And, um, but when, (laughs) but David's like, you don't have to try it. She goes, it's always good to try everything once. And David, who's very, very clearly high is just kind of like, you don't have to. And she's like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. And Jenny realizes that she's talking way too much. She's like, I just don't feel anything. Because if I felt anything, I would find myself talking way too much. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) and at one point she starts saying um i think she said jesus christ which at that like her exclamation she's like jesus and david's like do it again jesus he goes say son of a bitch son of a bitch um because we find out that jenny doesn't she never swears she never swears so david keeps prompting her saying say son of a bitch son of a bitch not say kiss my ass kiss my ass oh my god kiss my ass you son of a bitch (laughs) This is like and this is like trying to get my my roommate in college to curse back in the yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, she's changed since then. Love you, Jennifer. <laughs> oh my god. We got her. So to curse. Bobby says, "I'm so glad you did. <laughs> you cursed her with curses." Yup. Sure. Uh, so Bobby says in his state that Jenny is the girl he should have married. Yikes. Um, oh, and the oh, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. He goes literally to Jenny. Oh, you're the girl I should have married. Damn. Because that's also kind of the weird thing about Bobby is it's like the whole time he's pretty much or she are pretty much like comparing the person that he wants to be with is just like all of his, like a combination of all their friends. That's kind of weird. Yeah. So already like he's kind of quote unquote hit on Susan and now hitting on Jenny. So this again, I'm not in the realm of um, the, the revival, I don't really know what the, the line is here. Um, but the couple turns into like that comment turns the couple into grilling Bobby um, about why Bobby has not yet gotten married. Uh, Jenny oh, no. says that you're not complete until you're married. David says that's not true. And Jenny is like, hold up. And uh, he, and what David says, yikes, he goes, I have everything but freedom. Whoa. Which is everything. <laughs> Whoa. Right? I think 
David realized this was an issue because the problem uh, with getting married is that there's a person there all the time. Mm-hmm. I wrote, yep, that's, that is a big problem. The problem yep, with yep, getting yep. married is that there is a person there all the time. Well, and that's the thing. Like, yes, that is a thing. But if you are healthy enough, you can go and do your own damn thing and be like, you go do your thing in here. I'm going to do my thing in there for a little bit because I don't want to be around you right now. It's not you. I just don't want to be around anyone right now. Marriage advice by Chelsea Lerner. Uh-huh. Slash Duncan. No. Have, your, <laughs> have your own hobbies, y'all. Um, I was watching a clip from Bluey, which I still know nothing about other than it's Australian. Bluey! And it was like the mom was multitasking, like, Bluey, you're too loud. Yes, what is your story? Oh, Bluey, you're too loud. Yes, what's your story? And the dad walks in and she goes, okay, dinner's in the fridge. I need no one to talk to me for 10 minutes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, that is hilarious. Um, Okay, but here's Bobby's kind of like quote. More or less, Bobby's the one who says, the problem with getting married is that there's a person there all the time. And they continue to say, you can never not have been married again. You have always been married. So even if the marriage doesn't work, you can never say that you were not married. That is true because on forms and stuff, you can say single, divorced, married. So if you're not yeah. married, you're divorced unless you've never been married. It's annoying as exactly. hell. I'm like, can I just put single or married, please? Yeah. But like record-wise, they have to know if there was ever a time that you... Yeah. Anyways... Um, Bobby claims that they are not against the notion, but there are three interests they have. Um, And obviously Robert is not obviously, but Robert's dating three women. Bobby B I E is dating three men. Um, So we have Robert dates Kathy, Marta and April who suddenly appear with an Andrew style or Andrew's sister style song to chastise Robert for his reluctance in being committed in the song You Could Drive a Person Crazy. You could drive a person crazy. You could drive a person mad. First you make a person feel all hazy. So a person could be had. Oh, I love this song. You could drive a person crazy. You could drive a person mad. Okay, we were gonna do that at Broadway not long ago. It's a I've, hard I song. The song. Mm-hmm. It's a hard song. I sang middle harmony in it. Yeah. Of course. So here's the thing. In the new version, in the revival version, we have Theo, who's Kathy, so kind of the lead uh, singer in this little trio. We have PJ, who's Marta, and we have Andy, who's April, who is a flight attendant, I found out. I'm not a pilot. You know the doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. It's different in the revival. They took that musical theme out. Right. To the point where I could not tell you what it is off the top of my head, but I will play it. Isn't that disappointing? That is very disappointing. Every time I've seen men sing this song, like at at cabaret styles, they've Mm -hmm. either saying the original, because that that high note is hilarious. You can change the key. And one of my favorite... Well, even then, one of my favorite performances of this song with three men was when I was at school mm-hmm. and they had a recorder. <laughs> and so every time they, they would, they would go, do, 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 do. And they would play it on the <laughs> recorder. And I, 
I ate that shit up. I thought it was so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's that's really funny, and that's actually <laughs> that's pretty brilliant. I like that. So when I like heard about oh three men singing that song, I was like oh they, I hope they have the recorder, but nope, they just changed it. Huh. Not second guessing Sondheim, but that was disappointing. That's my that's my one problem with the show is that theme being taken out. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I Probably guess not that's my pretty. One. I was gonna say I'm like that's pretty good record for like yeah. track record there for him not liking things. I I would want to know the thought process behind why it got changed, mm-hmm. but that's just me. Okay, so when the song ends, because it's done as a kind of like a they they don't see them singing this; they're just singing it. Um, so we're still in the scene with Jenny and David. And so Jenny asks for another joint, but David goes, no, no. And David ends up privately telling Robert that Jenny doesn't actually like marijuana, but partakes in it as a way to show that she loves David. Huh. Aw. So. She has to change who she is to. No, but like, no, you do things you don't like to do for the person you love sometimes. Right. Uh, It's not like. It, that that's what it's that's the sentiment this vignette ends and robert slash bobby uh begins the song have i got a girl for you bobby come on over for dinner there's someone we want you to meet bobby come on over for dinner this guy from the office my best friend from high school it'll just be the four of us Because the song is more or less Bobby's, well, Robert's male friends are deeply envious about his commitment-free status, and each one has found a perfect date for Robert. So Have I Got a Girl for You is the one that's like, only the four of us, it'll just be the four of us. Uh, And the big line in this is, what do you want to get married for? But Bobby is more or less waiting for someone who merges all the best features of all of his female married friends in the song, Someone Is Waiting. David kind of Paul Wait for me I'm ready now If you exist at Someone will hold me Strong as David Silly and solid like In the Bobby B.I.E. revival, the song Have I Got a Girl for You has been changed to Have I Got a Guy for You? To which Bobby responds, someone is waiting. So they did just change the genders of who they are singing about. Gotcha. Um, So Bobby goes and meets his three girlfriends slash boyfriends in a small park on separate occasions. So we see the three 
what I say earlier, play things for back of, lack of a better term. We see the, the girlfriends slash boyfriends. We see them kind of come um, simultaneously throughout it, but Bobby stays in the same spot. But it's uh, implied that's across different times. Okay. And Marta slash PJ sings about the city, how it's crowded, dirty, uncaring, and yet somehow wonderful in the song Another Hundred People. And they meet a party through the friends of friends who they never know. Will you pick me up or do I meet you there or shall we let it go? Did you get my message? Because I looked in vain. Can we see each other Tuesday if it doesn't rain? Look, I'll text you in the morning or I'll call you and explain. And another hundred people just got off of the train. And another hundred people just got off of the train. And another hundred people just got off of the train. And another hundred people just got off of the train. Another hundred people just got off of the train. I love this song. As the song continues, we have little vignettes uh, come across the stage as Marta slash PJ are singing the song. Uh, we have... Bobby, uh, who gets to know April slash Andy, who is a slow-witted airline flight attendant. And they are self-proclaimed as really dumb. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, so this is uh, Christina Hendricks, who is uh, Joan and Mad Men. In the 2011, it's just funny watching her say these lines. But ultimately, they talk about how they have a roommate who, um, quote, I think likes the arrangement... And they have never had company over, and he's from New York, so nothing really interests him, which the audience loved that quote. Okay. <laughs> They're like, so the roommate literally never has, has company over, and they like the arrangement of, so a roommate of the opposite sex of Andy slash April, and, not, and they're from New York, so nothing interests them. I, yeah, the audience lost their minds at the Philharmonic. The next vignette we see is Bobby uh, spending time with Kathy slash Theo. Uh, did, and did, they did had... You da- just, but we, did you run right past another hundred people? No, I'm still in that song. Are we still in it? Yes. Okay. I'm like, there's so much happening in that song. No, we're literally still in that song. Got it. Okay, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. So, so between each of these vignettes we see Marta and or PJ singing the song. Every phrase, like every verse has kind of like a, it's sung and then there's a pause and there's sung and there's a pause. Mm-hmm. That, which has kind of happened earlier too. And like the little things uh, that I spoke about earlier with Patty Lapone. Anyways, Bobby is spending time with Kathy slash Theo. And what we find out is that they dated previously and they both admit that they had, uh, each secretly considered marrying each other. And so they laugh at the coincidence. And then Bobby suddenly considers the idea more seriously being like, well, why don't we get married? To which Kathy reveals that she's leaving for Cape Cod with her new fiance. (gasps) So Robert asks Kathy, uh, why Kathy never asked him to marry him. Um, Awkward. And what she responds is, there's a time to come to New York and a time to leave. Oh. Another hundred people has been off mm-hmm. the train. And then we meet Marta again. So Bobby meets Marta slash PJ, and she goes on about saying how she loves New York and babbles on about 
topics that are highbrow and lowbrow and Bobby slash Robert don't, they are just like, I don't know what to say. What, here's, here's kind of a, a taste of what Marta slash PJ is saying. I came to New York to be the center of New York and I'm the soul of New York. So then therefore I am New York. Sure. She's a little much, <laughs> huh? <laughs> and she's like the post of New York. I am New York. It was, yeah, it's like one of those, like, yeah, I wouldn't know how to respond either. So out of kind of like we had the dumb one, the right one, and then the, the one who was a little out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the vignettes of them all dating end. And the scene turns to the day of Amy slash Jamie and Paul's wedding. And they have lived together for years and they are just now getting married. So this is what I was watching when you got on Zoom. I was watching the revival version of this song. And remember I was talking about the lighted boxes? Yeah. So this, <laughs> there is a character that is singing, um, bless this day. And I'm pretty sure it's Susan. I can never really get a good look at it but there's this very angelic kind of canter singing about a marriage that's about to happen in the Philharmonic she's up on the conductor's post with the conductor in the revival a lighted box comes up from the stage and there's this big like rose kind of Vegas looking heart with the cantor like in robes singing it and only for those phrases that that she sings is she up before the box again sinks down into the stage (laughs) which i thought was hilarious and when it sinks down to the stage uh what is revealed is an apartment kitchen um very chic very uh modern and very gray so what i haven't really talked about is how on the revival of company the set is very much gray. I was reading an article about it. It's just they really wanted it to be gray so that the colors of the characters really popped, like Bobby's red jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. I also noticed uh, across these vignettes, Bobby would change her shoes or change like what was on top of her red jumpsuit, but only ever wore the red jumpsuit. So we have Amy slash Jamie um, sitting and kind of preparing for this wedding. And Paul comes in and sings about how the day is about, about Amy slash Jamie. It's funny because in the revival too, Paul goes, Jamie, where are my shoes? And walks in the door, sees Jamie goes, this day is about Jamie. And Jamie's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause we're getting married. And Jamie's like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is Matt Doyle. And as soon as Paul leaves, uh, Jamie looks at the audience and goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was really cute. Um, but Amy slash Jamie, they're panicking and they confess to the audience that they can't go through with it in the song, Getting Married Today. Listen, everybody, look, I don't know what you're waiting for. A wedding, what's a wedding? It's a prehistoric ritual where everybody promises fidelity forever, which is maybe the most horrifying word I ever heard, and which is followed by a honeymoon where suddenly he'll realize he sat up with a nut and want to kill me like he should. So listen, thanks a bunch, but I'm not getting married. Go have brunch, because I'm not getting married. You've been grand, but I'm not getting married. Don't just stand there, I'm not getting married. I don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. Throughout the song, we have the canter 
uh, she who keeps getting cut off by Jamie. But in the revival, the canter kept showing up in different parts of the room. So, like, at one point, um, she slams the door open and is like, bless this day. And Jamie's like, get out. <laughs> it was really funny. So everyone keeps interrupting her to find stuff for Paul. And as the song ends, we have more or less Bobby, Paul, and and Jamie slash Amy in the room. And Paul had said, like, thank you, because everyone was looking for stuff for Paul. One of those things being orange juice. And (laughs) Amy goes, I have orange juice for you. It's warm. And he goes, thank you. And she goes, you don't thank a person for warm orange juice. You slug them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then as this scene goes, she goes, You've seen the real me crazed. (laughs) (laughs) This is the role I think everyone wants because it's just so fucking funny. It is. Um, But Bobby's like, it's just a little Catholic rebellion to marry to marry a Jew. So I guess Paul is Jewish. Um, And when they get divorced, she won't be a sinner because he's Jewish. That's that's sorry. That was all Amy saying that. She's mm-hmm. crazed because she's a little. It's a little Catholic rebe- rebellion for her to marry a Jew, and when they get divorced, she won't be a sinner because they're Jewish, and she's not. Sin- she's not divorcing a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, <laughs> Amy slash Jamie. Well, uh, like kind of their conclusion is that they need to be left alone. I need to be alone, just like Robert. Damn. So like Robert wants to be like his friends, but really his friends want to be like him. Yes. Um, So Paul is actually so freaking sweet because he's leaving notes everywhere. And um, so Amy's like going through the, through the scene. So Paul's gone at this point. Bobby's in the room being like, Paul's great. She goes, no, he's just, he's too nice. And he's leaving notes everywhere. And she lifts up these pillows and they both say like, love you. (laughs) Little paper notes. And she goes, um, no one can stand that everlasting affection. (laughs) I will say that's a very James thing. I know. Actually, when I was watching this scene, I was like, oh my God, James James." is Paul. Yep. He's Paul. He'll, he'll thank you for warm orange juice. (laughs) So Bobby, the best man, our best woman. And then Paul watches Amy complains and self-destructs over every petty thing that she could possibly think of. Mm -hmm. Um, She doesn't think she deserves this guy. This nice guy. Yeah, but then finally, explicitly, she calls off the wedding. And Paul uh, is like, okay. And he ends up going out into the rain. And Bobby tries to comfort Amy. But emotionally ends up offering an impromptu proposition. Uh-oh. to him slash her. So literally Bobby's like, well, why don't you just marry me then? Uh, well, what the fuck, Stating Bobby? that if we get married, everyone will leave us alone. And this starts, this uh, proposal starts the Bobby baby, Bobby darling theme. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby baby, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Marry me and... Everybody will leave us alone. So in Revival, it's Bobby and Jamie. In the original, is Robert and Amy. Um, but ultimately, these words jolt Jamie slash Amy back into reality. Mm-hmm. Um, to which they thank them. They thank Robbie 
Bobby, and runs after Paul, at last ready to marry him. Oh. Um, this leaving the quote. You have to want to marry somebody, not just some body. Aww. Which leaves Bobby alone to sing their very first and large ballad in the song, Marry Me a Little. Okay, then. I'm ready. I'm ready now. Someone, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm This is a song where it's literally just Bobby alone on stage um, proclaiming that they are ready to get married. And the setting begins to return to the birthday scene where Bobby has been given the cake, trying to blow out the candles again. And this time they wish for something. Thus ending act one. Bobby, 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 baby, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Oh, that's depressing. Which is why I think the original actor of Bobby got so de- so depressed. I think I'm just going to walk out of this musical halfway through and just go, I don't like it. After one uh, freaking one freaking uh, month. <laughs> Emily, oh my gosh. Emily was telling me about somebody somebody who like walked out of the Barbie movie and not anybody you knew, but somebody walked out of the Barbie movie halfway through and was like, I didn't like it. Well, yeah, if you walk out halfway through, you're not going to enjoy it. (laughs) No, literal. Okay. For, to be fair, uh, the guy who was originally Robert on Broadway, he left because it was, the show was reminding him of his divorce. Yeah. That's a little different. He's experienced the show. Oh, for sure. Somebody leaving the Barbie movie halfway through with an opinion about whether or not they liked it, only Mm -hmm. knowing half of what actually happens. Oh, no, I was I wasn't referring to the actor leaving. I was referring to audience like I'm going to leave this. This is so depressed. Anyway, I was making a callback to what we had talked about. I liked the callback. I was distracted and was very much in the moment of what was going on. (laughs) I understand. I understand. (laughs) Which, yes. Oh, my gosh. That annoys the shit out of me. People left the Barbie movie like this movie sucks. But I'm like, did you watch the whole thing? No. Well, there you go. They're still going to think it sucks even if they watch the whole thing because, you know, that's true. They're afraid of wokeness. It's not I, it even. was very mm-hmm. funny. I got yeah. home from seeing it. And I was wearing my little pink dress. Aww. And a, somebody in my complex goes, oh, did you come from the, the Barbie movie? I go, yeah, I just came from it. Um, it was exactly what I was expecting, which was me not expecting anything. And they go, oh, yeah, I just, I didn't read any of the books. What? <laughs> I was like. What? Huh. <laughs> yes. Oh, you, you, oh, you didn't. Well, okay. <laughs> I was like, hmm. There the are I wasn't there sure are no if maybe they thought American Girl doll That's, because of like might, the SNL sketch, um, which was so goddamn funny, that SNL sketch. Um, That's okay. Yeah. Um, but 
the Barbie film, this is what I, how I described it to people. The Barbie film doesn't, like, there's a plot, but the plot isn't a a plot, a vehicle to tell a story. It's a right. vehicle to get a point across. Yeah. And they use the Barbie characters as that vehicle. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful. So, I loved and it. it was, and it was great. And there yeah. was a lot, and it was like, people like, it's so deep. Also, Matilda's mom's in it. Oh. So, yeah. I don't know who that is. Just say, Matilda, Mat- like, the, the movie Matilda, not the musical, but the movie. The original. The mom. Oh, yes. she's, the yeah. The mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Yeah, yeah, Wormwood yeah, yeah. is in it. Yeah, that's right. A much older Mrs. Wormwood. Yes. Much older. How long have you lived? You're beautiful. I know. I love <laughs> that. I love, I that, love that. You know what I also love? Act two of company. Act two of company. Let's get to yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Act two is, I'm not going to say considerably shorter, but it is shorter. Um, oh, good. There's a lot of notes <laughs> so far. Mm-hmm. It's just because the show is so many vignettes and like they pop, like the scenes kind of pop in music. Oh, you mean like Into the Woods? Sure. Into every other time. Uh Not so much like Sweeney Todd, though. Mm. Mm. Yeah, not as much. I'll let we you figure it out. We haven't covered Sweeney. <laughs> Have we, we did cover Sweeney. Sweeney. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. I, that was my, that was my most beautiful editing. Where I literally, people were like, "You freaked me the fuck out," <laughs> uh, because what? Like at one point, when I had the music go, it has like the foghorn almost to me. <laughs> Y'all go listen to Sweeney. Go listen to the Sweeney Todd episode. It's actually I'm so proud of that episode. I listened to it like four times after I edited it. That's right. It did. It did scare me because I was driving to Virginia when I was listening to it. And I'm like, oh shit. And, anyway. and it was one of those things, you had texted me being like, can you even out the sound? I'm like, no. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Because the sound was more or less evened out except for that part. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I do even out the sound. Um, anyways, I, I spend a lot of time editing. <laughs> so we're at act two, um, which I, I didn't write a name, but I feel like act two is called Plagiarized. So let's just go with that. It's plagiarized. Because honestly, this show, the whole, the thing that's consistent in this show is the birthday party. We kind of keep returning to it. And it's almost like a redo. Like the birthday party is like the, like the switch. That keeps it's like Groundhog's Day. Yeah. But then the diff- then there's like different vignettes with points that follow. So the birthday party is reset and Bobby goes to blow out the candles. And this time they get half of them out and the couple have then helped him with the rest. And Joanne says, you have to blow out all your candles to get your wish, which resets the show. Cause earlier it was like, yeah, your wish is going to come true. And they're like, no, you had to blow out all the candles, to get your wish. Uh, Sarah proclaims that Bobby needs to stay the same as a constant in the sea of variables. What she means is Robert can't get married because right now they're the, they're the constant as being single in the variables that all the rest of them bring. Well, that's rude. And, <laughs> and the couples share their po- like viewpoints on Bobby, both complimentary and unflattering, in the song Side by Side by Side. Isn't it warm? Isn't it rosy? 
side by side. She's such a sweetheart. By side. Isn't she a sweetheart? Ports in a storm, comfy and cozy, side by side. She never loses her cool. By side. I envy that. Everything shines. How sweet. Side by side. We're just so fond of her. By side. Parallel lines. Who meet? Can't get enough Which is literally the same thing, same theme as day by day in Godspell. Side by side, day by day. Yep. It has a very, yep, I was like, holy shit. Um, but ultimately, this is a very sweet ensemble number. I don't know if it's constant across all of the revivals and all of the performances, but on the 2011 Philharmonic, uh, it was like a top hat and cane dance. Cute. Yeah, it was cute. And uh, so it's followed by like... Um, so there, it begins a cane dance. So they're starting the cane dance, and these canes come out of nowhere, and they're having the little sweet ensemble no- number. But soon it's it's followed by an up-tempo uh, epipayon, which I can't remember what that means, to uh, Robert Rule's A Perfect Friend in the song, What We Do Without You. Year after year, older and older, side by side. go from singing side by side to what would we do without you? And the couples reflect on how a single Bobby assists in their lives as they dance with their hats and canes. Examples of this uh, include like, who's going to take our kids to the zoo? Um, Who are they going to come to when the couples are squabbling? Who's going to keep their secrets? And in the middle of the song, there is a dance break where each, uh, it's like a kick line, but each man does a little dance, and then the wife answers with a different little step that's complementary to their step, and it goes all the way down. And, and Bobby, at this point in the song, has been like, yeah, I'm single, yeah, I'm great, I'm constant, until this part where Bobby makes a, like, a dance, and then nobody's there to compliment it. Aww. There's, nowhere to, there's nobody there to finish it, which snaps him back into the reality of his loneliness. Or her loneliness. That's that's actually really a hurtful thing for friends to say. That's a very hurtful thing. It's like me. It would be like me saying, "Emily, you can never get married because like, who's gonna feed my cats when we go out of town on vacation?" <laughs> have or, you said that to me? <laughs> no, I don't think okay. I have because I have other people that can feed cats too. But hey, you want to feed my cat? <laughs> no. No. We're a little I far do away. want to feed your cats, but you're too far away. We're pretty far now, yeah. Um, it's okay. Julie, li- Julie lives down Julie here. Lives 
You probably see Julie all the fucking time now. I'm so jealous. No, I don't. Julie's good, good human. We, we've gone out. We've gone out for drinks and pizza once or twice, but she and I have been very busy peoples. Oh, and I see her when yeah. I pick up costumes. Yeah, so you see her all the time. <laughs> but as okay. far as social life goes, no. I mean, our social life is our work. So moving on. Yeah. Once the the song ends, we find that Bobby has uh, brought April slash Andy back to their apartment for a nightcap after a date. Um, Now, April marvels at how homey Robert's place is, and he casually leads her to the bedroom, sitting next to her and working on getting her into it. So seductive. Mm-hmm. At this point, April slash Andy earnestly tells him of an experience from their past involving the death of a butterfly. Oh. And he encounters that a biz- with a bizarre remembrance of his own, obviously fabricating design to put her in the mood to succumb to his seduction. Um, so he lies. Uh, meanwhile, the married women worry about Robert's single status and the unsuitable qualities they find in the woman he dates in the song, Poor Baby. Dumb, lightweight, bloodless, to to So it's so the way this is staged is we have on the in the Philharmonic there is a bed, uh, in the revival they are in like a bedroom, and Andy is pretty much being like I'm sad and Bobby's like so am I, and the single females are like we don't approve of this date of yours. Let me talk about it. Let me talk about you behind their back. You could do better. Meanwhile. Though Bobby and Andel's, Andy slash April have sex. Okay. And while this is happening, we hear Bobby and April slash Andy's thoughts. And it's interspersed with this musical number that has no actual lyrics. Um, and this musical number expresses and mirrors their increasing excitement in the song TikTok.
so obviously in the revival, TikTok took on a new meaning when we were talking about the biological clock. Mm-hmm. Now, in some productions, including the original production, this is accompanied by a solo dance by Kathy slash, well, I guess just Kathy. Um, in the Philharmonic, it actually included four other dancers who had sheets with Kathy dancing in the middle. Remember how I said last week, Kathy's definitely a dancer? Uh-huh. This is why. So Kathy's the one dancing. So I think what it's supposed to kind of symbolize is that Bobby is thinking about Kathy slash Theo over Andy slash April, who's in their bed. And it ends with April slash Andy saying, I love you. And Bobby having a hard time saying the phrase back. And there is an, I love you montage of all the other couples saying at the same time. Oh, the next morning, Andy rises. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry. April slash Andy, they get up early and they have to report to uh, duty to aboard a flight to Barcelona. 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 And Bobby tries to get them to stay after a whole, at, and at first very wholeheartedly being like, don't leave. Um, but they are apologetically protesting um, that... Uh, pairing, parring, sorry, I'm like, what am I reading? Uh, at first, Bobby really wants them to stay, but then eventually they're like kind of begging. And it's like, it's like a playful beg and insistence. Mm-hmm. But it all ends because Robert ends up calling her June. Ooh. <laughs> and she goes, April. And like, he's like, stay June. April, <laughs> April, and she responds, "Thank you." God. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is where I got onto Reddit, and I have a quote from Reddit by Decaffeinated. Please, I love that. That's one of my quotes. This is what it says: "Quote." I think the change works. The change works a lot, meaning the genders. And I think some sometimes even heightens the show. David being the one smoking and most smoking Bobby's proposal to Jamie are way more interesting character-wise. I think the trade-offs come in scenes like Barcelona, where which just isn't as effective, not to mention missing out on the June-April wordplay. And the second girlfriend scene in a hun- another 100 people. So in the revival we kind of lose that kind of gawkiness of a guy who's like, oh, you need to stay. Ha 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 ha. And it calls the girl by the wrong name, especially June, April. Cause they're months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going back as April continues to reluctantly uh, resist Bobby and sleepiness retakes him. Bobby loses conviction and agreeing that she should go that, change apparently gets to her and she joyfully declares that she will stay after all. This takes Robert by surprise and is astonished saying, Oh God. And now he has fear and regret. And this is all happening in the song Barcelona. What you thinking? Barcelona. Oh. Flight 18. Stay on me. I would like to So Don't be mean Stay a minute 
No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Where are you going? Barcelona. So you said. And Madrid. Bon voyage. On a Boeing. Good night. That whole sequence of her waking up is the song Barcelona. <laughs> You're doing great, Chelsea. Got it. <laughs> so we move over to Robert and Marta slash Bobby and PJ, and they go and visit Peter and Susan. So he has gone from his one girlfriend to the next girlfriend. What I think is really interesting in this show is that act one was all the vignettes with the couples that we met them and it was just Bobby alone. And then we meet the three girlfriends, which more or less gets us into like what marriage could be. And now we're really focusing on Bobby and the girlfriend's relationship in act two. Mm -hmm. Like it's like one step closer to marriage, which would ultimately make sense because of the candles being half out. I'm trying to get into the dramaturg of it all. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Bobby and Marta, they visit Peter and Susan where they say, uh, (laughs) y'all, this is so bad. I, I actually stopped saying the names of my friend's, significant others quote-unquote because i'm always worried i'm gonna get it wrong (laughs) so they go oh you must be kathy oh then you're april oh marta so original (laughs) oh my god oh that's so scary so bad it's so bad and marta's the one who is like i am the soul of new york so and this is peter and susan um Susan's the Southern Belle and mm-hmm. Peter's the Ivy League. So these are the ones with the terrace and they're rich. Right. So right, right, what right. we learn is that Peter has actually like, cause uh, Susan and Peter, I mean, Caesar and Peter are like still together. And Bobby says something along the lines of like, oh, well, I'm glad you didn't go through with the divorce. And Peter's like, oh no, we are divorced. Uh, what we learn is that Peter flew to Mexico to get the divorce. But when he realized how fun the vacation was, he phoned Susan and she came to Mexico and joined him for the vacation. And so though they are divorced, they are still living together, claiming they have too many responsibilities to actually leave each other's lives and that the responsibilities have to actually be strengthened or the relationship would actually be strengthened now that they are divorced together. Huh. Yay. So Susan ends up taking Marta inside to make lunch, and Peter asks Robert if he's ever had a homosexual experience. Okie dokie. So they actually both admit that they have, and Peter hints at the possibility that Robert and him could have such an experience together. But Robert laughs it off. How's that done in the revival? Yeah, so... That's what I'm going to talk about. So, yeah, Robert, he laughs it off as the conversation as, like, a joke. In the revival, this was my specific question Mm -hmm. to the person who saw it in London. I go, how did they do this scene? And what they said was, I think it was mostly the same. Because I thought maybe, oh, maybe it was because Marta is now a man, so it's PJ. Maybe Peter takes PJ, and Susan has this conversation with Bobby. Mm -hmm. From what they remember, and this could be totally wrong. For those of you who have seen it, let us know. We're just speculating here. From what they remember, though, is it remained the same. So it was Peter asking Bobby and then ultimately was coming on to her. Okay. Which I'm like, I don't know. And I couldn't find it on Reddit. 
Which makes me think it was probably the same. Hmm. Like if it, you got to see company, y'all better come tell us what happens. I know. I feel like we're supposed to be the, the experts on it, but here we are not knowing. That's okay. Um, That's okay. <laughs> we're so, not perfect. I am. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the next scene does come, though. So after this little bit, uh, Joanne, it actually switches over to Joanne and Larry, um, where they have taken Robert out to a nightclub. So in the revival, it's actually really cool because after this whole interaction with Peter and Susan, Bobby more or less climbs into the rectangle that is the nightclub. Um, and slowly transitions into the scene where Joanne is like, it's like, you should be ashamed of yourselves. What do your mothers think of you? Uh, everyone dancing. Meanwhile, Larry is actually dancing and Joanne and Bobby sit watching, getting thoroughly drunk. Joanne blames Bobby for, uh, for always being an outsider, only watching life rather than living it and persists in braiding Larry. Joanne and Larry have such a weird relationship. She's like, you marry for money. And she ends up raising her glass in a mocking toast, passing judgment on various types of rich middle-aged women wasting their lives away in the most, mostly meaningless activities in the song, The Ladies Who Lunch. I'd like to propose a toast. Here's to the ladies who lunch. Everybody laugh. I'll uh, drink to that. I will drink to that. <laughs> so in the song, she, I love this song. Yeah. It's such a little cabaret song. You never know it takes place in a nightclub. Well, at least in the revival, it's like a, like a riches type of nightclub. Like it's a, a strobe light nightclub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so her, <laughs> her, so her harshest criticism, um, in the song are for those who like herself just watch. And she concludes that with observation or with the observation that all these ladies are bound together by terror that comes with the knowledge that everybody dies. and proposes that we are the generation gap talking about Bobby Mm -hmm. Um, that Bobby would go on single and that Joanne has gone on divorcing and remarrying. Larry returns from the dance floor and uh, taking Joanne's drunken rant without complaint and explains to Robert that he still loves Joanne dearly. And then Larry leaves to go pay the check. To which Joanne bluntly invites Robert to begin an affair with her. What I learned is that it's not Joanne trying to have an affair with Bobby in the revival. Mm -hmm. Joanne is offering Larry for an affair in the revival. So where Bobby is a woman. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so Joanne, so in the original, Joanne bluntly invites Robert to begin an affair with her, assuring him that she will take care of him, to which Robert replies, but who will I take care of? And that seems to surprise even him and strikes Joanne as a profound breakthrough on his part. So yeah, as I said, per Reddit, Joanne offers Larry instead of just making Bobby buy. Um, So this is a quote from Reddit uh, from your no to machine. 
You're no to machine. Oh, you're not a machine. <laughs> you're no to machine. <laughs> yeah, I can't fucking. You're read. no to machine. <laughs> you're no to machine. <laughs> it's you are for you're not a machine. I'm fucking moron. I'm a fucking moron. It's okay. So here's the quote. This is what happens when I get on Reddit. I can never read. So quote. See, I think the Joanne moment makes a lot of sense if you see it as Joanne making a point testing Bobby. I didn't think she really wants Bobby to sleep with her husband, but instead she's saying, if this is the life you want, the life of ladies who just watch, then go ahead and become a mistress to a wealthy man like my husband. Joanne understands where Bobby's total detachment leads because she's seen it before and wants to shake her out of her stupor a bit before it's too late. It's a big change in the scene, but it's also the first time I've I've thought Ladies Who Lunch had a direct influence on the outcome of the show rather than just being a song that explores Joanne's character. Oh. You're not a machine. You get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Robert insists, so Bobby insists, that he has been open to marriage and commitment but questions, what do you get upon Larry's return? Robert asks again angrily, what do you get? And Joanne declares with satisfaction... I just did someone a big favor. And she and Larry go home, leaving Bobby lost in frustrated contemplation. We're kind of, I don't want to say the climax of the show, but this is really the climax of the show. We've made it. And we're about 15 minutes out from the end. Okay. The couple's return with their musical motif um, yet again, as they again invite Bobby to drop by anytime only the three of us, just be the three of us. Um, rather than the cheery, indulgent tone he had responded to earlier in the scenes, Bobby suddenly and desperately shouts, stop. Ooh. Telling everyone to shut up. Stop worrying about him. And then proceeds to sing the song, Being Alive. Someone to crowd you with love. Someone to force you to care. Someone to make you come through Who'll always be there As frightened as you Of being alive Being alive Being alive Being alive In the song... We learn from the perspective of Bobby the many traps and dangers that they perceive in marriage, speaking about disagreements. His friends counter his ideas one by one, encouraging him to dare to try to love and commit. So the, the friends can kind of hear this song, and they're pretty much they're arguing against him, being like, well, there's that, but go do this. And yes, there's that, but go do this. But finally, Bobby's words change, expressing a desire, increasing, increasing an urgency for loving, for loving intimacy, even with all of its problems, and wish to meet someone with whom can face the challenge of living together. Thus concluding the song, Being Alive. I don't know if you can hear the train whistle happening. I'm going to turn myself down. No, I can hear my, my phone going off for some reason. 
So at the end of being alive, which I think very much like the first act, we do kind of end up with Bobby alone on the stage. And then slowly people return because we're back to the reset of the opening, which is the party. And it's the party that we see for the final time. And all of Bobby's friends are there waiting. Now, in the revival, I didn't really talk about this. This is a lighted box, and there's a big 35, like, in those blow-up balloons. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know which ones I'm talking about? Those giant number balloons are in the background. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. they're, like, smooshed into this, into this box together. But this time, Bobby's friends have waited two hours, but there's still no sign of Bobby. And so they all decide it's time to leave, expressing that they are hopeful about his ha- absence because they're hoping that is um, their friend's chance to fulfill some love. And they wish him a happy birthday, wherever he may be. And as they leave, Bobby then appears alone, smiles, and blows out all of his candles in the song finale. And that's company. Yay. Company. I know it's a long one. It's a long one. Yes. It's actually not that long. I yes. actually didn't talk about this, but I got to tell you, Chelsea, and I'm, I was actually going to touch on it last week and it somehow kept getting like pushed away. What? Company caused a lot of issues for me when I was in, uh, in college. Why is that? Like it was, it was kind of a, no, I don't want to say it was the start of a kind of spiral, but it was kind of, it was a contributing factor to how I valued myself in college as a performer because I knew company was the musical, it was very much music forward musical that they did in college. And up until company, I had been in every single show that our uh, musical theater troupe had like put on, which was a big accomplishment. The only person who'd ever done that before was a guy named Garrison. And I was like, I'm going to be the next person who makes it into every single show so that's three, sh- three shows a year, 12 shows total in college. I did not get into company when my school put it on. I was one of two girls who didn't make it. One of two people completely cut. And when my friend left and moved schools, they asked a girl who didn't even audition to, co- to fill her role. And that was also a time that the, that the troupe was doing um, council. Mm-hmm. And they would not put me on council. But when my friend left, they would ask me to do the council responsibilities because they knew they needed somebody who was on council to do certain things, but nobody was available. It was not a high point in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so I always kind of resented company in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because I was just like, well, I'm not good enough to do that musical. Even though I was like, and I was going to a music school, right? Mm -hmm. And I still kind of hold a little resentment too for that, which is weird because it's been a long time. Um, So True Confessions with Emily. Um, But company is still like, it's just, it's, I don't want to say it leaves a sour taste in my mouth, but it's just like one of those things where I'm just like, I kind of scoff 
added a little bit sometimes, not the show itself, but just like the experience. Yeah. And then, but it may have been for the better if we're looking for like silver lining because the show I did get on in that year was absolutely terrible. It was a terrible experience. And so it proceeded to me, that was junior year of college. So junior year was just bad shows or bad experiences because it was company and then we did Les Mis. So come senior year, I was very clearly and calmly able to decline doing Drowsy Chaperone. Oh, but that's such a good show. Which would have been amazing, but I knew I needed to take a step back and be like, this is not my value. This is not like, this being in these shows is not... Mm-hmm. is not the end-all be-all of my life. And that's when I ultimately became like the intern at the symphony and I was able to change my major and I was able to start my acapella group um, to then turn around and do the final show, which was fucking Shrek. Oh, <laughs> but- Shrek. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so that's kind of my connection to company. Aww. It's still a show that I would love to do. I just, like, again, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I, I hold this. I don't think I will get in it because I don't think people view me as musically inept to do it. Hmm. Because of that one experience? Because of that one experience. Well, I'm sad that your brain goes there. If one experience and you're done with that show. I'm not done with it. I just don't like I I see somebody auditioning for it. I would want to audition, but I would all I would go in being like, I'm not gonna get put in. That's not a good way to go into an audition. I know, but Emily. that's like but that's what that experience left me with. Ah, uh, you gotta overcome that experience, Emily. You gotta overcome it. She's flipping me off for all of you who are not patrons. If you'd like to see her flipping me off, you can join us on patreon.com. I use my very and dolls. I use my very straight middle finger. Her very straight versus my middle fucked finger. up one. Yeah. I got fucked up by the dogs. Yeah. Anyways, you know who I don't flip off? Our patrons. Though I totally just did because no, we're watching just this did. video. I was like, you just <laughs> flipped off everyone. Well, we love you, patrons. If you want to join us, as Chelsea said, you can join us at patreon.com slash wines and dolls. And that supports our show and our website and our potential live show. You keep saying these words. <laughs> if you want to see our live show, go join our Patreon. Because um, you already get a live show once a week from our videos. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's but not much contribute. of a show. I am a show. I don't know what you're talking about. I am such a show. You know, I put, I put the cat tower over here thinking that we would have a show. Like the cats would come in here and fuck with everything while I was on calls and they, they never mess with me anymore. They hate that thing. They I'm hate like, that yeah, thing. I'm so sorry. They, hate it. they don't it's like probably the Lay Miz poster you have up against it. It's likely that. We still haven't unpacked this room. But anyway, I digress. Um, if you'd like to support us in other ways, though, you can s- press subscribe anywhere you're listening to this podcast. And if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please scroll down and press the furthest star to the right and leave us a review. Lovely. That looks so enthused. I also totally so just burped. Enthused. <laughs> I also just spent, just realized my, my microphone is turned. So if my sound sucks, that no, is why. Your I'm not talking. Fine. I'm not talking directly into the condenser. Oh. I'm talking into it as a, at an angle. So I might sound distant. I've been well, wondering usually, why it doesn't sound good on my end. Usually when we record, I can tell when you're not facing your mic, but I, you sound fine. 
this whole time? It's just, this is, this is straight on. Oh. And this is where I've been. Oh, I don't mind you d- turn down a little bit. That's fine. <laughs> um, go press the five-star review. You love these <laughs> conversations in our 20-minute intro. Um, if you want to send us an email, you can reach us at winesanddolls at gmail.com. And send us suggestions. We love those, too. And mm-hmm. answers to our questions. That would be great. And you can follow us on all the socials at Wines and Dolls. But all of those links you can find at winesanddolls.com. The domain has been refreshed. And before we go, I would love to go ahead and give a shout-out to the Multi-Hype crew. You can go and join their festivities starting on July 31st. Email multihypeworkshop at gmail.com to learn more with Ashley Kate Adams. Uh, Kimberly Faye Greenberg and the lovely Michael Kushner. I sound like I'm from NPR. You do. And with that, I'm Chelsea. I'm Emily. And this has been Wines and Dolls. Yay!